I'm Alex. You're listening to the Space Commune podcast. I'm here with Fox, and today our guest is Jasper Machogu, who's a farmer and agricultural engineer from Kenya. Jasper, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Alex and Fox. So, Jasper, I I learned about you from I, I know you've been around for a while, but I just saw you uh, on Twitter when you had a thread that went pretty viral uh, at the beginning of April, and it starts. Good morning from Kisi, Kenya. I don't know if I said that right. What is it like to yeah. live here without fossil fuels? Some refer to it as sustainable. I agree. Only if its definition changes to break your back if you want to eat, even though you'll be poor forever. And this thread just goes on, um, has a number of videos of you using the latest and greatest sustainable farming techniques, which all involve manual labor, uh, walking miles and miles just to get water, um, people carrying water on their heads, uh, walking cattle m- many miles to, to get them water. Um, and it concludes by talking about how Africa needs fossil fuels to develop and to reduce the amount of backbreaking labor and to modernize Africa to have the infrastructure that you need um, to support life, to support growth, and to um, take care of people. So this is my first time learning about you. This is an awesome thread. And then I saw a lot of the other stuff you've been doing. Um, so what what is it like, um, you know, when you put out the thread? Um, what what was your uh, what was your reaction to the response that you got? Because a lot of people were very interested in it. Okay, uh, I have posted a couple of uh, threads before. Uh, I think they were more interesting than this one because this one was more general. I have posted on how like we get uh we get energy from uh firewood i've done uh on climate and you know the alarmism behind the climate change in africa like kamala harris john kerry uh obama they coming to africa and they telling us we should not use fossil fuels like that that to me that was some of those threads were really amazing. So this one was just a general thread. I didn't expect it to go viral. But then like I um I was really surprised and even like I I I showed my mom and she was like she's she's not tech savvy, but she was really surprised. Like she was imagining a hundred thousand people watching my clips. Uh um and then very many people, over five hundred thousand. Uh, people saw my thread. That was really amazing. Like it was, it was surprising to me also. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I sometimes I post informational stuff and I think, oh, don't don't, don't people want to hear this, the truth of the matter? But what really compels people is to see the firsthand stories. So to see how this kind of stuff is actually playing out, this back to the land. Um, you know, primitive, fetishizing primitive uh, lifestyle, kind of uh, wanting people to do to do this kind of farming. That's what they're kind of pushing in the Western world is for people to live that way. But then when people see, okay, people in Africa actually are living that way, and it's very yeah. hard, um, and they don't have a choice to do it. They don't have a choice to just go back in their backyard and like farm a few you know, chickens and and vegetables, and then go to the grocery store if they get tired of doing that, right? So I think that was yeah. a very a very compelling way to show people firsthand. Actually, this kind of lifestyle is very hard if it's not your choice to do it in the first place, right? Yeah. I, and it, okay, like 
in the post, like in the thread, you can see people telling me, Jasper, do you know of biochar? Uh, or do you know of, like, you couldn't reduce hurting your back using a, a longer handle? So some of these people, like, they think they know what they're telling me, uh, mm. but I, 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 I am in Kenya. I'm doing the farming. Yeah. And most of the, like, I understand agriculture. Um, I've been in the agricultural industry since I was born, uh, practicing, uh, with my family and alone, I have my own project, couple of projects. I've done organic farming, have like, I really, I was passionate about organic farming, organic farming when I was doing it, but then I came to realize it was all a scam. And, uh, for somebody who has got, let's say. Uh, 20 meters by 20 meters tiny kitchen garden. Organic farming makes a lot of sense. And biochar makes a lot of sense. Munching makes a lot of sense. Not uh, land that maybe uh, two two hectares of land or three hectares or 10 hectares. Yeah, so that's not going to feed the world. Manure is not going yeah. to feed the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It's more of like a hobby, right? If you If you want to do it for fun, try organic farming and it makes you kind of feel good. Like you're have some kind of relationship with the earth and you're not using and chemicals sure. or something. Right. Um, yeah. but it, you're right. It's not, you know, I think people forget that we're not out of an era of the eras of famine, right. That a lot of the world still experiences hunger <laughs> and, um, a lack of food. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's hard for Westerners to imagine that because we have this problem where we there we have food waste and people think that there's too much um yeah actually that, actually yeah. what you what you have is plenty of food today uh affluent countries the u.s europe australia uh, maybe australia so you produce food in excess of 75 percent like the, the 75 percent of food that you produce is like you don't need it so yeah you don't have a problem with uh, starvation and famine and stuff like that. So, yeah, people take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, something that you, you've noted in various places is that in Africa, depending on where you are, I think in Kenya the stats are 40% of the population is engaged in farming, 70% of the rural Six. population of Kenya is engaged in rural farming, according to some numbers. There's other numbers too. Yeah, uh, whereas 60, the United 60%... 60% yeah. is quite accurate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas 60%. in the United States, because we have all yeah. the industrial methods, only 10% of our population is engaged in farming. And I think in China, it's about 17% of the population. You know, they're, they're getting there with the, their methods, the industrial methods. Um, so in your words, I mean, why, why is that? Why, why is it that so much, so many people in Africa have to spend time farming, whereas in industrialized <laughs> countries, uh, more people don't have to farm to, to create way more food. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the stats go back to 1800 in 1800, about 80% of the U S population were farmers. And, uh, in, I think in 1900, about 50% of the U S population were farming today, only 2% of the U S population is farming. In Africa, it's quite the opposite. We have about 70% uh, of uh, people uh, depending on farming for livelihood. In Kenya, it's 
more than 60%, uh, I think there was a report by World Bank or FAO uh, a while back, maybe three or four years back, it said 80%. So the thing is, like, churches, now, okay, l l let me, let me, let me, let me start with fertilizers because that's where it starts. So fertilizer, fertilizer is going to increase the amount of production, the amount of food that you're going to produce from uh, a hard tier of land compared to manure. Uh, so the thing is, fertilizer, if you look at urea, for, for example, it has got, because like we need lots of nitrogen, crops require lots of nitrogen. And uh, as a farmer, you know, you have to apply urea. So urea has got 46% nitrogen content compared to manure. When compost manure has got about 4% to 5% uh, nitrogen, you can't com compare the two. And then the thing is, like manure, if you go back to 1800 when 80% of the U.S. population were farming, they spend a lot of time, uh, actually up to uh, a third of their time, they, their labor went into collecting manure, making sure the manure was well composted and then spreading it. So that is a lot of time. So, the, okay, farm, uh, farm machines reduce the time because okay i like and says they amplify and expand our capabilities so of course a tractor is going to do work that maybe require hundreds of horses you can't even imagine that and then a horse is more strong than a human being so a tractor if if, if i was given 10 let's say if i was i was given 50 hectares of land to till today mm -hmm. i wouldn't do it in uh half a half a year, I wouldn't do it. But with that tractor, you can do that maybe in three or four days and yeah. it's done. So the first thing is uh, machines. Then we need uh, lots of fertilizers to increase the amount of food that you're going to produce. Today, we have uh, 4 billion people being supported by fertilizers, synthetic, synthetic fertilizers or fertilizers from fossil fuels. Then another one is irrigation. Irrigation is, okay, if you come to Kenya today, like, we have ab about 80% of our, our land classified as arid and semi-arid land. That means they receive uh, inadequate amount of rainfall for, you know, uh, crop production. So that uh, means that we have to find a way to irrigate our lands if we have got to feed our population. And yeah, yeah. so those three things. Yeah, you know, uh, you have a tweet here from March and I just want to say this is a safe space for questioning climate change. You know, we don't we don't oh, okay. uh, we don't hold anyone to you know support any kind of narrative about we, it. We don't pray to the climate change god. We're we're we're, we're some of the few Americans who who uh, are, are. Oh, I I hear that. Is that a cow in the background? That's a cow. Yeah, <laughs> the cow doesn't believe in climate change either. <laughs> the cow's like no, no, that's yeah. bullshit <laughs> John Kerry wants to kill the cow <laughs> save the earth you know? like, yeah he agrees with us um, so yeah you had a tweet uh -huh. you said climate change isn't causing anything other than increased yields and more plant food what causes food insecurity is depending on the rain for food instead of irrigation using manure instead of fossil fuel fertilizers and depending on manual labor instead of machines and yeah, that's a, that's that's so spot on um, in terms of how people in the West get what they get wrong about climate change is that oh you know they 
<laughs> they think about climate change and like we have to stop climate change because people like Jasper in Africa, you know, they're being affected by climate change. They're on the front lines. But really what you need, we don't need to stop climate change. The climate is going to change. What what we need is to help the entire world develop the infrastructure we need and the you know, have the um have the tools that we need in order to survive changes in the weather. And, you know, it's yeah, a development problem. It's not a carbon emissions problem. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, I believe, uh, climate change is good for uh, our crop production because uh, th this is just basic science. Uh, a hotter or uh, a warmer climate means food matures faster. Like if we have uh, people in, I'm speaking from experience. So we have people in elsewhere in Kenya where uh, semi-arid. These people farm uh, in three months, they harvest their maize. But if you go to places like, okay, we, you see where I come from, mm -hmm. we do it uh, for in six months time. If you go to another place, we have a farm in, in the Rift Valley, it's very cold. Uh, back in 22 or six, we used to uh, like, okay, the crop from planting to harvesting for the maize now, it used to take 11, 10, 11 months. Today, it, it, it's taking about uh, nine months, nine to 10 months. So it has uh, definitely reduced. And uh, I can tell you for sure that's because the place, like it was very cold back then. Today, it's not that cold because we have cleared some of the forests around that area of firewood mostly and charcoal because we town, towns have been expanding. We need to supply charcoal to, to the town for the people who cannot afford LPG or uh, cooking, like cleaner cooking. So yeah, it's definitely a positive. And then uh, the CO2 increase, the, the, it, there is a study. I think NASA, NASA, if you go to the NASA site, they have it over there. You can check, check any time. So, there was a study back in 20, I think 2016, uh, whereby researchers found that 14% uh, of, like there was a 14% more green, uh, a green leaf greening throughout the earth. And then 70% of that was directly at attributed to uh, carbon emissions increase. So that's a good thing. We have the fertilization effect from carbon dioxide an increase in carbon dioxide. That's a good thing. So if wet food. Yeah, if if yeah. this goes on, I'm convinced that even from science, if you ask um a scientist, they're going to tell you uh it's going to green Sahara Desert if like this goes on. And then CO2, like we know for sure, CO2 is plant food. We have greenhouses supplying uh carbon dioxide to 1,000 parts per, uh, per uh, ppm, sorry. So, yeah, 1,000. And today we are at 400. So 1,000 is the optimum. Like, if you, if you supply to 1,000, uh, it's going to change your, your yields in a very big way. And then, like, even yeah. water, water consumption is going to lower. If you lower water consumption by 10 to 20% while increasing oxygen uh, uh carbon dioxide sorry if you if you lower the amount of water that you're going to supply let's say you do irrigation you can lower the amount that you supply by 20 to 10 to 20 percent 
without uh, tampering with the yield. That's for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing somebody post about the first scientist to um, d coined the phrase about climate change, something like that, uh, you know, in the early 1900s, late 1800s. But he said it was a good thing that clim that the climate was warming because it would it was a good thing because it would produce more food yields and stuff like that. And and, and it's so funny how it's condemned now that the, that the earth is warming. It's like, isn't that a good thing that like more people can live comfortably? We can grow more food. Um, I love how your your header on Twitter, your 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 banner photo says we love CO2 and so should you. Um, yeah, because people ignore this idea that, yeah, yeah, actually, maybe we can grow more <laughs> more food for everyone. Uh, when environment the environmentalist uh, hysteria kind of first started and the climate change hysteria first started in the in the mid twentieth century, they're taught they were warning people about the opposite. They were saying, "Oh no, a little ice age is coming," and they were saying it's going to get too cold. And uh, I would be I'd be yeah. more worried about the the earth getting too cold yeah. to grow crops. Than it getting too warm to grow more crops, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, another thing I've noticed with your tweets, very uh, very interesting, um, is okay. sometimes you've tweeted about um, China um, investments that China is making in Africa, um, some of the actions that Putin has taken re recently with forgiving debt to Africa. You know, I know Russia and China um, have been you know, partners either through Belt and Road Initiative or other things with African countries to build power plants, to build infrastructure, uh, whereas the United States tends to go there and lecture about solar energy and renewables and stuff. So uh, I wanted to get your take, you know, I'll say, I'll just say what our, what our opinion is, is that, you know, we're a very pro-China and Russia podcast uh, in okay. cooperation. You know, we want the United States to cooperate with these countries to help build up the rest of the world. But, um, you know, what, what is your take and also maybe some of the people around you, like what's the general sentiment of uh, people around you about Russia and China in addition to, to how you feel about those countries? Okay, uh, because like most of the people who I interact with on my Twitter are from the Western, mostly from the USA. So they have a ha some hatred for Russia because I like I'm, I'm not... I don't know, um, I don't like politics that much and I'm mm -hmm. not usually into politics, but what I know for sure is the U because I understand, like yeah. I know what the US has been up to in Africa, throughout Africa, what the UN, because like the UN is one of the largest organizations in the world today, what the UN has been promoting in Africa is sustainable SDGs, sustainable development goal. And that's centered around climate change. Everything, like if we're talking about hunger, we're going to solve hunger based on uh, climate change. If we're going to solve poverty based on climate change. So everything that they uh, propose solutions are, all of them, they based on climate change. And that's not a good thing because climate change first is not something that has been for sure proven. Like there is no empirical data that support uh, the uh, uh, anthropogenic uh, warming. So doing that to us is really bad, I'd say. And, you know, like I say, okay, the, U the UN itself has uh, done a lot of research on 
what what will really transform Africa and um, change us from being from starving and being poor to rich and healthy and fed like them. And they found that uh, out of all of those proposed solutions, improving agriculture, like agriculture was a, 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 a sure, a very sure solution to solving our problems. It has got 11 times percent potential compared to other, to the proposed solution. So one of the best ways that we're going to um, improve our agriculture is through uh, irrigation, farm machinery, and then fertilizers. All of those, they depend on uh, fossil fuels. So the moment you say sustainable development goals, which is tied to climate change, which is tied to not using fossil fuels, you, there is like you guys, the UN now, they don't want us to 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 uh, improve. They don't want to improve our life. They want us to continue training. There is a, a post from, I think, one year ago, uh, there was a lady, I, I can't remember her name, and she was standing next to a, a grass-touched house. And she was saying, this is how Africans are coping up with the climate change. Uh, they're building resilient, climate-resilient houses. Like a grass-touched house. There is, in no world is that a climate-resilient house in, in no world. So that's, some of the uh, and the injustice that the Western are imposing on poor Africans that need need a solution to poverty and hunger and other problems. Russia, Russia is doing the opposite. China is doing the opposite. China is in Africa, like it's building infrastructure, it's building uh, airports, uh, roads, railways, like in Kenya, a and very many other and um good things things that will improve our life the us is uh promoting sdgs that's yeah. a very big difference between the two and so the thing is like okay today because imf is one of the biggest organizations in terms of money uh giving out loans to developing countries so they give us loans and then they tell us because IMF is literally the UN and World Bank and you know. So they tell us there is no way like we're giving you a loan. You need to pay back our loan. Otherwise, uh, what they do is they tell our governments, our leaders, you need to uh, impose a high tax on this, on on energy. Most of the times it's uh, petrol and diesel. Like, okay, so they tell us uh, you need to, they tell the, our government, sorry, they tell our government, you guys, you need to maybe reduce on the fuel subsidies. Otherwise, import, put on a higher tax on uh, fuel. And that's what our governments do because they have no option and they are good to pay the debt. So that's a very big problem to us. Like there is no way we're going to develop if oil, if a liter of petrol today costs much compared to, let's say, Australia, it doesn't make sense completely. So Russia and China, they're doing the opposite. They're giving us infrastructure. They're saying, okay, Africa, you, need, you should not listen to the UN, to the Western, because they're telling you of SDGs and you need to develop your country. So like they they on tours, they're telling us, do this and do that. 
that's a good thing. Like these people want the best for us. They forgiving our debts. They are building in, they building infrastructure. You know, supporting us in various ways. Yeah, something we noticed in, in the West, the kind of pe- most of the people I feel like who are um, pro uh, energy, pro you know abundance, pro growth, especially in Africa, in the West, many people like that are also anti-China and anti-Russia. Um, and I feel like they're they're just they're missing a huge part of the puzzle that Russia and China are the countries that are doing the most um, to help Africa well develop. Well, of course, because the paradigm that underpins all of this, the 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 excuse. So the the World Bank and IMF and all this can say to you, oh, you know, we we want you to get out of poverty. We we care about you. This and that, but. You have to do it in accordance with climate change, you know, regulations, which sits above. They 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 position it as if it's dogma, religious dogma that sits above their authority. The climate change is somehow even above them and they have to submit to it. Therefore, you have to submit to it, too. You can we want you to get out of poverty, but only if you do it in accordance with our climate change dogma. And therefore, it provides a very easy excuse for them to say, well, we would want you to get rich, but you can't do it with fossil fuels, even though that would be the easiest way to do it, clearly proven yeah. by history of all the other countries that have gotten rich by using fossil, quote-unquote, fossil fuels. You know, a lot of people say fossil fuel well, uh, is kind of a misnomer, uh, that that it didn't, that some people have a theory of abiotic oil, that, it, that the idea that it came from fossils isn't, isn't even true. Regardless, it doesn't even matter, I think. The fact that we we say people shouldn't use that is just is a, yeah. is a heinous heinous thing, um, in my opinion. Um, I think I think it's so great that, pe- that people like yourself are are gaining a platform and people are seeing firsthand the the hypocrisy of a country that claims well Black Lives Matter and racial justice this and that, but then tell Africa that they have to stay poor. Um, it's just sure. an unbelievable amount of hypocrisy in my mind. Um, but you, you're very eloquent on on social media about pointing out that hypocrisy to people, and I think that's great. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I I plan to do a lot of that, and Twitter has given me a really like good platform to air my opinions and you know show people what life is like without energy. Because most of our energy comes from burning biomass, uh, firewood, charcoal, you know, uh, um, crop waste. So, in like in Sub-Saharan Africa, we have seventy percent of our energy coming from burning biomass. That's a very bad thing. Like, that means we don't have industries, or we cannot have industries because, like, industry. There is no way you're going to run an industry on firewood. It doesn't make sense. So. Yep. It's going to run from uh, using uh, fossil fuels, that's for sure, because that's how uh, China is doing it. China has got about uh, 80%, 87% of their energy supply comes from using uh, fossil fuels, and that's how they have improved their uh, living standards, their lives, agriculture. Yeah, China today, like if you go to China, if you went to China uh, maybe in the 30s, 60s, because there was a big famine in the 60s, another one in the 30s, 80s, 1880s there. If you went there, you wouldn't survive because, like, 
the 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 feminine uh eight it killed about thirty million Chinese and that was really awful. There were famines famines back in uh sixteen nineties in Europe. They wiped out a third. Like in, in France the, the the famine wiped out about uh fifteen percent of its population, a, a third of uh Finland's population. Today you don't hear people in Finland starving to death. You yeah. don't hear people in um China starving to death because they're using lots of fossil fuel. They're getting their land. China today, like if you go to Asia, it's seven um eighty seven percent of the total irrigated land throughout the world is in China. And if you come to Africa, it's about it's in Asia, sorry. If you come to Africa, it's about 4%. That's very little. We're consuming little electricity. 4%, 5% of the world electricity. Yeah. With five, uh, a very big population. So, yeah, fossil fuel, for sure. They're going to change our lives. That's for sure. I, I want to ask you, uh, so you, you tweeted a little bit about um, Andana Shiva and uh, her experiment. Sri Lanka. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's... She's very notorious. Um, somehow, though, her ideas were put into practice. An entire country tried her ideas. Didn't work. But somehow, she's still rolling in money from foundations. She's still a respected academic. She still speaks all the time and is seen as a, a hero in the, the degrowth movement. Um, why do you think that is? Is that you know, her ideas were tried and they failed. So how, how do you think she's still popular? Okay, uh, let me let me answer that from experience. So there is a thread I did on beans beans farming in Kenya. Uh, it's somewhere down there. So, be, okay, uh, back in twenty twenty during the Corona period, I I did about a half. It was almost a half of a hectare, so about one acre. Let's just say I did one acre of beans farming, organic beans farming, or purely organic, no fertilizers, okay. no synthetic pesticides uh, and stuff like that. So it was really tough because without uh, the pesticides and, uh, and the fungus, fungicides, it was really tough. Blight can't and it wipes out your produce. By the way, for sure, like I've done potato farming, uh, a small kitchen garden where whereby didn't apply any pesticide and fungicide, and um, I oh, like I got nothing. Even <laughs> like blight comes one night and then your produce just dies, like that. Too much cold. So for beans, I got half of what I should have got if I did the conventional uh, farming. So organic farming doesn't work and there is no way we're going to feed our population, our increasing population with organic farming. Years and years of our ancestors trying different things. They did holistic uh, farming. They did uh, uh, organic farming. Whatever, like we have people who believe in some of these things, like they, these fancy fancy agricultural terms, holistic, uh, organic, uh, sustainable stuff like that. It doesn't work. 
it's ideological it, it's it's like yeah it's religious in a way where um you know we we want to appeal to science in order to understand the world and to be able to feed as many people as we can and prevent famine from happening right it with yeah. the irony that strikes me again about all this stuff is that these are the same people who say believe science but then they apply the most unscientific um you know rules and regulations to how people should grow food and get electricity um things like that um it, what do you, it, what it's you, a good yeah it, it's it's a good thing that Sri Lanka tried it because they totally embraced uh organic farming it did it like it failed completely yeah tea, like tea farming uh the produce that people are getting from uh, their land reduced by up to 30 percent rubber went up to 40 percent like it was uh it was terrible so it's, like it's a good like, example to show people how it doesn't work is what, what yeah you it doesn't work yeah, I, I, the, I wish more people saw that. I feel like a not, it not an, it didn't get through to enough people to see how much of a failure the Sri Lanka incident was. Yeah, and then, like, our ancestors tried it. It didn't work. These people, like, yeah. our ancestors were starving. They lived up to 35 years, 30 years. We are here living up to 17 years. Yeah, today, 70, 71 years left the uh, world, life, uh, world life expectancy. So these people, like, they don't know what they're talking about unless they give it a try. So that's how I was telling these people, okay, like, if you feel you can do better, you should come to Kenya. I'm going to offer you an internship. So because <laughs> some of these people, like, people who believe organic farming is going to work, these people have money. So you're going to give me maybe 5000 USD per week. I'm going to show you around. I'm going to help you get through <laughs> our farm. We go fetch water from the river together, one yeah. kilometer away, have uh, them or yet. half a kilometer away. Let's wash um, clothes using our hands. That's yeah. how we do it. But we don't have the laundry machine. The uh, uh, we don't have dishwashers. We don't have uh, refrigerators. Let's wake up in the morning, fetch firewood. Uh, light the light a fire and then prepare your breakfast. Let's see how that works out for you. Let's go to a farm nearby. Uh, let's seek for a job to do. Yeah. So given one dollar at the end of the day uh, after six hours the, of hard work. The problem let's with see the, how that works. Yeah. The problem with Westerners, uh, a lot of people who who do that, they they say, oh, this is fun because it's a vacation for them. They they think yeah. it's like, because they can always, at the end of the day, they can they, they know can... that there's an end to that. And they yeah. can go back to their comfortable lives. And it's a choice. And I think I feel like that's always what I end up coming back to with, with people who, who fetishize that kind of lifestyle and think, you know what, I could do this. Well, you're only saying that because you have the option. You have a choice. Going back. Yeah. You can we, just go back. We should get, we should, you know what? Let everyone have the choice to decide if they want to live that way. If they want to, you know, fetch water and, and wash everything by hand. If they want to do that and they choose to, good for them. But we should make sure that everyone can choose to not do that if they don't want to, right? I mean, I yeah. think that's, that's the real differentiator. Um, yeah. 
And, and that's and that's the role of the U.S. military is that countries that decide that they want to develop too quickly or work with the wrong countries like Russia and China, the U.S. military is always there to or you know or even soft power through NGOs, nonprofits that uh, uh, influence politics in developing countries. Um, they're always there to say, nope, uh, you're developing too quickly. You're making us too nervous. Yeah. You're becoming too powerful, too rich. And we have to stop you. That's why Obama was worried in 2013 when he came to South Africa. He says, okay, if you guys, uh, if your life standard improve quickly and each and every one of you is, is driving a car, lives a, um, a beautiful life, is healthier, is fed, the, the world is going to burn over. Like Africa, we're going to all have to work together to find ways in which collectively we reduce carbon. Uh, ultimately, if you think about all the youth that everybody's mentioned here in Africa, if everybody's raising living standards to the point where everybody's got a car and everybody's got air conditioning and everybody's got a big house, uh, well, the planet will boil over. So the reason why the U.S. Uh, and other Western nations are uh, against nuclear is because nuclear is going to, like, it's, it's like giving, I think one of, um, I can't remember who said that, but they said. I think I know what you're giving, thinking of, Paul, Paul giving, Ehrlich. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, Paul. <laughs> so they don't want us to have uh, enough energy or electricity. They don't, like, they don't want that for us because if everybody is, lives like an American, what will the world be like? Yeah, Paul Ehrlich, I believe the quote, he's something along the lines of uh, giving nuclear energy is like giving a, a loaded gun yeah. to a to a idiot, idiot child or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just total anti-human. Yeah, I think, I think he said that about fusion energy. The late That's a quote from the late 80s. Okay. And fusion energy is even, that would be, that, I mean, that, that would be the absolute pinnacle where there's no waste yeah. whatsoever. It's just infinite energy. And he's like, well, that that would be bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Wow. It's a miracle. It's a friggin' miracle to give people abundant, cheap energy. I mean, that would that would be tremendous for for Africa and for everyone all over the world. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on uh so there's some people in the West here who claim to be, you know, very caring people, but they, they insist that uh, Africa needs to develop their energy grid using wind and solar. What are your thoughts on that? Wind and solar are two intermittent, dilute, parasitic, and uh, they just like, okay, so today we have a lot of mining to produce the two, uh, the wind turbines, and then we have to do a lot of mining to manufacture solar panels. Actually, mm -hmm. most of the solar panels are manufactured in China. I think the same can be said for wind turbines. Yeah, I think it's so 95 percent or something. Yeah. So China, China does this using uh, koi, dirty koi that everyone, everyone in the West hates because it, it's so polluting. It produces a lot of carbon dioxide. So, like, they are okay with China uh, mining. Okay, the, the mining process, the mining process starts with uh, 
like those machines, the earth movers, they consume a lot of diesel that starts. So this, uh, let's say we're mining uh, in, in Chile or uh, in Africa for those like rare earth metals. So we take them to China. China, like a ship is going to, to carry the, the metals to China using diesel, of course. Then China is going to manufacture a solar panel using diesel or coal, coal mostly. Then the, the, the solar panel is going to be transported to the U.S. Because the U.S. and Europe love uh, solar panels and wind turbines using, of course, diesel or um, jet fuel or um, uh, diesel in, in the ships. So it gets to the U.S. and then you're like, ah, I got a solar now. I don't yeah. have to rely. I don't have to rely on uh, the grid, which I'm is self-sufficient uh, now. <laughs> yeah, self-sufficient. You have a solar panel on your roof, and then you like you feel like a god. You you changing, you 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 are uh, restricting climate change, like you preventing climate change from happening from that yeah. one solar panel, which is which like relies entirely on coal and fossil fuels for production manufacturing. So I don't think they would work for us because actually like if you come to Kenya today, like we have about almost a, almost 80% of our population is connected to the households are connected to the uh, national grid, which is mostly renewables, but uh, geo and hydro mostly about yeah. 80%. So that's just electricity. This 80%, the 80% population, they consume so little electricity. Uh, one of the reasons might be because it's expensive at 0 0.2, about 20 cents USD per kilowatt hour compared to the US about 14 cents per kilowatt hour. So that's our electricity is expensive compared to yeah. your electricity. Yep. And remember, most of our population, uh, I start with 36%. 36% of our population, it like our Kenyan population, and less than $1 a day. So that's so little. And we have higher electricity prices compared to the US. So that's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. And um, for sure, for sure, for the last two years, we have seen our government embrace wind and solar. We have, by the way, Kenya has got, today Kenya has got the largest wind plant in Africa. And we brag about it, but then if you look at our electricity prices, they're going up, they're skyrocketing. So yeah. um, that might be one of the reasons why we consume so little, but we don't have refrigerators in our houses. We don't have dishwashers. We don't have laundry machines. We don't have microwaves. We don't have those electronic uh, equipment. We don't have vacuum cleaners. We only have bulbs a radio, a TV, and maybe our electronic gadgets like phones and uh, uh, laptops maybe for those who have them, but mostly phones. So that's how we use our electricity. Good. So when you tell an African like, I'm going to give you a lot of electricity, it doesn't make sense. We only need a little electricity. What we need today, like we have to become rich before we can use more electricity. Before we can afford uh, uh, refrigerators and the other gadgets, 
we have to be uh, not poor. Then yeah. we have to be fed. Like we have to be fed and rich before we can uh, we can think of a refrigerator and whatever other fancy equipment we might need in in a house. So electricity is not going to solve our problems. Wind and solar is not going to solve our problem. What is going to solve our problem is agriculture. And as I right. said earlier on, agriculture is tied to fossil fuels. We have to improve on fossil fuels before we, the amount of fossil fuels that we consume, before we can improve our agriculture, before we can, then we become rich, then we become like we are healthier. Then we can now think of the other thing. Then we can think of electricity now, like we need plenty of electricity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's such an excellent point. And I think that that whole conversation gets lost by the the environmental activists um, is that fossil fuels are not just, it, even if you got rid of all fossil fuels within, you know, the, the electrification process, if we totally eliminated <laughs> fossil fuels from, from cars, from from electricity, from from all that, you still need fossil fuels for agriculture, and agriculture is the backbone of society. You you can live without electricity, not very well, <laughs> but yeah, you cannot live without food, <laughs> and so you can never get rid of fossil fuels. Just forgetting forgetting the electricity conversation completely, you cannot get rid of fossil fuels because of the role they play in agriculture. And you're, you're absolutely right to bring up yeah. the importance of that. Um, that even, is so lost yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Even Buckler's Mill, uh, one of the leading like energy uh, people out there, says I, in one of his books, I think, How the World Works, How the World Really Works. It's, it's an, an amazing book. So he says, uh, we have four pillars for modern civilization. So we have uh, fertilizers, we have steel, we have cement, then we have um, plastics. So the four. Without those four, we don't have a modern civilization. Steel, all of those, steel comes from, like, it's iron and carbon, carbon from coal or fossil fuels or cork. Then uh, that's for steel. Fertilizer, uh, ammonia, nitrogen. You know, uh, and then methane, so fossil fuels, cement, yep. fossil yep. fuels. Uh, then uh, the other one is plastics, plastic, fossil fuels. That's for sure. Like we, yep. we wouldn't have a modern civilization without fossil fuels. That's what's that change. All right. Well, you know, let's let's meet halfway. I'm just I'm reading about some of the ways that we can get fossil fuels out of farming. So what if what if we tried electric tractors? <laughs> that so electric tractors electric tractors are um i'd say they are a dream like the one is really dreaming of uh at some day we're going to have electric tractors like it's it's a dream so one of uh john diaz engineers uh recently said i think it was maybe late last year she said if they were to change their eight row uh, machine, uh, John Deere machine to electric from, you know, diesel, the battery itself is going to weigh twice as much. It's going to be big as much as, uh, like the battery itself is going to be twice 
as big as their 8R machine. So the yeah. 8R is a very big machine. Imagine a battery being two times the big machine. That's how much uh, material is going to cost. Uh, that's how much material we need to electrify electric uh, to electrify tractors. That doesn't make sense. Oh, okay, and then and then and then there is a so that that means it's going to be very heavy, very very heavy. We don't want that uh, in farming because that's going to compact the the the, the soil. Yeah. Uh, aeration is going to stop. Drainage is going to stop. We don't want that. Then another thing is you have to charge your electric tractor. That's a let's say you find a way to give that tractor that power the the battery is going to give the tractor that the power that it requires to run in the farm now to do an operation let's say chilling land or plowing land so what's going to happen is like you need to charge your battery each and every time and we don't have the technology today to charge the uh tractor in 30 minutes or one hour it requires a lot of time to fully charge the tractor that's good not going to work because when you go to the farm, you want to do your, you want to perform your operations in a timely manner. Yeah. So I was wondering, um, what do you think about like the future for Kenya and for Africa? What do you see happening? What What do you think realistically is going to happen okay. with what we're talking <clears throat> about? Let's say in ten years or twenty years. Okay. Inevitably, because our population is rising, like. If you, you 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 look at our population trend, it's rising in like quickly. So we need to, in one way or the other, we're going to need to find solutions for uh, our starving population. Today, by the way, one in five people in sub-Saharan Africa is literally starving. So wow. we sure. have to find a way to feed our population. And that means that we have to uh, embrace modern technology, modern modern science, modern farming. Modern farming means uh, our population moving from farming to other things. And those people we leave behind should find a way to produce enough food for us. So the only way they're going to do that is using fertilizer and maybe irrigating our lands and uh, mechanizing our fund. That's for sure, like it's going to happen. Despite the fact that the UN doesn't want that and the Western nations don't want that for us, it's going to happen inevitably. Yeah. Well, like, wh what is what is the m the message that you would love? What is like the main? What what do you think we should tell people here in the U.S. and the Western nations who don't understand, who 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 are so um, indoctrinated to the climate change cult and uh, anti-Russia and China hysteria? What 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 do you think is the best thing that we can say to them? A message from from you, Jasper. What would you say to to the American people? What should what should we be doing? You know. Okay. Um. You guys, you need to start from looking at the benefits and uh, the negatives of something. If it's climate change, you start with the negatives, and then you look at the positives. Uh, that that's a good start. Then you need to look at the, what the data really says because today for for climate change today we're looking at um 
uh, people who depend entirely, like they making decisions based on uh, climate modeling. Climate modeling doesn't work. Even one of the uh, godfathers of uh, uh, of global warming, Rod, his name is, um, can I remember his name? Oh, I can't remember his name right now, but I'll, I'll send you a link so that you can check it out. So there was an article in uh, titled when, okay, before, before that, there is a time I was talking to Andrew Dessler. He's a guy who is, he's, I think a climate scientist. I don't know if he's, uh, in the, uh, atmospheric science division. So we were having a discussion, an argument on Twitter, and then he's like, Jasper, you need to check out, uh, okay, I told this guy, there is no way you can predict the weather. You cannot predict the weather five days coming. Like, you cannot do that. How do you expect me to believe that you're going to predict the weather pattern in that year? Like, it doesn't make sense. The trend yeah. in that year doesn't make sense. So the guy says, okay, it has been done before. He sent me a link. So I checked it out and then I realized this guy, Wally, Wally Broker, or Wally Brockner, something of this sort. So Wally Brockner, back in, Wally Broker, back in 1975, wrote a very good paper. And what he predicted came uh, to pass. So he said, like, we were going to uh, warm the earth at a given uh, temperature, and that came to pass. So uh, that's the paper that Andrew Dessler sent to me, a link to the paper. When I tried, like I, okay, I knew there were faults on that paper because like this guy didn't put in mind the Pinatubo uh, eruption back in, I think, 92, 93. It cooled the earth by, I think, one degree. So he wouldn't have known that that was going to happen. Yeah. But then, okay, I said, okay, maybe there is a way these guys model their their stuff. So I checked it out, and then I found out that in 2017, Wally Broker wrote an, um, an article, and the article was titled "When Climate Predictions Are Wrong for the Are Right for the Wrong Reasons," and then he goes ahead to say uh, it was just uh, luck, damn luck. That's what he says. It was just damn luck. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. So they cannot predict uh, the, weather, the, the weather. There is no way they're going to predict the climate. That should be a good way for somebody who's maybe doing research on, uh, the, on climate change. That's where they should start. And then they need to keep in mind that they have to look at the benefits and the negatives before they can... Uh, yeah, and... You see, like the UN is saying net zero, net zero, net zero policies. Those, like, if you look at it, yeah, it, it, it's a good plan to uh, combat uh, climate change, but then it's going to hurt our humanity. It's going to hurt humans in very big ways. So that will be a good start for climate change. Uh, then for agriculture, like, for agriculture, uh, be, before I go to agriculture, 
the climate change. So these people, by the you're going to realize that climate change is basically uh, politics. There is no science in climate change and whatever they're trying to sell. It's yep. purely politics. And uh, it might be tied to depopulating our population, our our like humanity. I think I, I saw something on your uh, podcast about it. Like you guys are, you hate Malthusian uh, beliefs and yeah, um, um, we are together on that. So, okay, the net zero policies are going to hurt Africans especially. So the developing world, like it's good for you. Like you can, you ready to give out maybe 20,000 USD to support uh, maybe electrification of uh, the transport electrification or other thing. But now think of an Africa, a poor person who maybe like 40% of our population, African population live below the uh, national, the international poverty line. Those people cannot afford an electric vehicle. Actually, even in the US, only 15% of drivers can afford an electric vehicle. Only 15%. Yeah, they're so really imagine expensive. an African. Yeah, we cannot afford. Like today, if if I gave out a statistic, like in, in our village, we have maybe two or three people with a car. And that has really changed over the past years. So that's a lot of, like, it doesn't make sense. So you're pushing electric vehicles to poor Africans. Like, we need to first feed ourselves, yep. beat poverty, uh, get better education, stuff like that. Better, like, um, clean drinking water or clean water generally. So we need to solve those problems, the big problems, before we can think of climate change. And that should be like, if you're listening to me, uh, it will be a good start for you to follow me first. Then you should be an advocate for um, Africans getting plentiful energy from fossil fuels because electricity, we don't need much electricity. We just need, yeah, we might need electricity for lighting and, you know, uh, our TVs and radio radius but we need the the thing that works we need the black substance we need oil we need petrol we need diesel that's what we need. we need lpg people are cooking in houses that don't have uh ventilators or chimneys and that's hurting us right i i i wish some of these people like those people who advocate for sustainable living, they come to Kenya and they try cooking using um, maize cob. Those ones, they're very smoky. And people over here use them a lot uh, after we harvest our maize. They're yeah. very smoky. If, like, you will, you will be crying, you wouldn't even be breathing. And that's the kind of experience I want these people to get so that they can know for sure, like, experience be everything else true very true yeah yeah um no people are are very shielded they're very shielded from reality and and we have the thing is like a parallel thing is happening here in i mean you know we're in new york state and they're pushing 
various sorts of climate policy, which is hurting the middle class, um, particularly in our pocketbooks, right? It's it's costing us money. <laughs> it's They're taxing us more and more. They're charging more for fuel and everything. We have a lot more wiggle room before, you know, things get really dire. But I, I try to show people that the same thing that's happening in New York State is being imposed on Africa is being imposed on the rest of the world is this like climate austerity that's telling us we have to spend more money just to live and if you're already poor then you're screwed you know and and that you you have to get acclimated to living with less with lower standards um some people call it degrowth you know the degrowth movement um and and it's just it's just suicidal um and I, what I would say to people, you know, in our our area of the world, our little corner of the world, is to say, if you don't like it here, imagine what it's like for Africa. Imagine what it's like for people who are being told that they can't use fossil fuel in Africa when they already don't have half the thing, the, the fraction of creature comforts that we have here. Hey. And then to look at our own government and say, why is our government trying to tell us that Russia and China are the enemies when Russia and China are are doing the opposite with Africa they are that that the, the, the world government and the United States is doing they are mm-hmm. actually trying to help Africans develop their infrastructure burn fossil fuels you know lower poverty levels um whose side do you want to be on and 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 the bottom line is that the same people who are keeping you guys down are keeping us down here in the US the regular working people in the US and that we have one struggle together um and that if we recognize that it's it will be really a force to be reckoned with for the people who are keeping all of us down right yeah that's very true Sorry, I went on a little rant there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I love I love your your writing is so uh, it's so cu- cuts cuts to the point. Um, in this last op ed, which you said wow. you hadn't been even been told it was published yet, but you, the first line, um, you know, you, you talk about the U.S. So the the headline is U.S. Vice President lectures Africa on climate change. Uh, there's a picture of Kamala Harris. And then yeah. the opening line says, white knights do not have to travel everywhere by horse anymore. They don't even have to be white. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> that was so clever to me. That's so like funny because it really, yeah. it, it, it's amazing how they, they go around the world trying to claim the more morally superior. How saviors. Yeah. yeah. And they like, um, if Jesus was alive today, like, I, 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 I think... Somebody like Kamala Harris goes to when she was traveling through Africa, she was feeling like, um, Jesus Christ, I'm going to save these Africans <laughs> from what climate change will do to them if they didn't embrace sustainable development. I'm going to save these people from uh, not using fossil fuels because that's going to hurt them. I'm going to give them 5G. 5G, you're giving Tanzania, like, you come to Africa, you come to Tanzania where... 70 over 70 percent of the population depend on agriculture and you tell them i'm going to give you 5g you need 5g it doesn't make sense they cannot even afford a 5g gadget even in the u.s 
just a, a fraction, I think about 63% of the US today have a gadget that supports 5G. So it doesn't make sense completely. We need solutions that work. Fossil fuels work. They work for Americans, they work for Europe, they're working for Europe today and America because Americans are consuming a lot of uh, oil per day in barrels, 20 million, compared to Africa at almost 4 million barrels of oil per day. Like, you cannot compare the two. That's a very yeah. big... Imagine three, 330 million people consuming 20 million barrels of oil per day. And then we have 1.4 billion people 1.4, that's like four times the population. So for 1.4 billion people consuming three, uh, four, four million barrels of oil per day, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It is no way, like, you shouldn't even be preaching to us. Go down, like, it's, it's just crazy. When I think of this thing, you know, it, it, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. It really is. <laughs> And yeah, and also there's lots of people in the West I'm picturing, picturing you know leftists or people that that call themselves socialists, and um, they they think that there's some magical properties of fossil fuels that uh, specifically hurt people in Africa or something. Yeah. Like they they believe that oh, somehow uh, inherently, you know, oh, it's just, yeah, they, it's they just, believe it, they believe if. Like we burned our oil. If we burned oil in Africa, let's say we we burning five million barrels of oil a day. If like that's going to emit a lot of uh, uh, greenhouse gases. But if the oil was taken to let's say Europe, because Europe loves uh, taking what belongs to us, uh, from fertilizers to you know oil, so and coal. So they take oil. They take coal from South Africa, they burn it. It doesn't cause climate change. But when it comes to Africa now, when Africans, South Africans are burning it, Europeans think, ah, these Africans are uh, causing climate change. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, let me know what both of you guys think. But when I hear that, oh, they just want to promote 5G. Uh, in Africa rather than infrastructure and development and fuel and, and resource uh, development and all that stuff. What I think, okay, 5G. So they want to make sure everyone is connected to, to the, the intellectual internet. web, right? The intellectual yeah. infrastructure that they've built so that therefore they can do the same kind of mind control that they do here um, on their own citizens and they can export that, right? That's our biggest export from the U.S. is is uh, intelligence. Uh, yeah. And they, they want to make sure that, okay, everyone in Africa is connected to a phone so that they can, they can see all the propaganda that's telling them that they should not develop and that, you know, yeah. that fossil Climate fuel's change. bad. That's, yeah. that's what I think of when I hear, oh, they just want to give Africa 5G. And they want everything to be um, smart. Like all the, they want, all, if, if Africans do get appliances, just like here, mm. uh, they want everything to be smart because then they can do what's called demand response so that if it's an especially cold night or if, you know, there's uh, fluctuations in the sun and the wind, 
that they can then say, okay, well, now your refrigerator is not going to get that cold, or you can't run your dishwasher, or you can't charge your, your car or whatever. Um, you know, I, to have everything yeah. be smart, that's 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 the point of that, and 5G enables that. I think, I think, uh, um, okay, let me go back to corn. Like, I think these Western companies, like, when oil comes from Africa, it goes, like, okay, so when coal comes from South Africa, it goes to Europe. There is this uh, thing that's going on, carbon credit. So these people, what they're doing is they come to Africa. They come to, let's say, Kenya today. We have the Maasai. The Maasai people live uh, in the wilderness. Like they live with the lions and, you know, elephants and zebras. <laughs> so they come to Africa. They come to Kenya. They tell the Maasai, uh, "We're going to show you how you're going to feed your 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 cattle." Because these people, like they are no they are no pastoralists, so they travel from place to place, feeding their cattle, looking after their cattle. When grasses are completely consumed in a given area, they move to another place. So what the Western is doing, they coming to our place now. They telling we need to show you like we we know more than you do you guys you despite the fact that you have been practice practicing it for um very many years you know yeah so they but they, they do something called uh it's like land reclamation but then there is a way they do it they say okay you're going to do rotational grazing so you're going we're going to give you a section that's why it's going to graze your cattle then you're going to move to the next section and then to the next section and then they start talking about carbon credit so if like um grass grows on that particular area where they told you you cannot graze you cannot have a graze they sell the carbon there is a way they do uh calculations using computers and then they send it to the west yeah. they, they they tell a, uh, a platform like netflix okay because you guys netflix use electricity from the grid or you use diesel or you use uh diesel maybe petrol to or gasoline to run your vehicles around and there is the carbon tax you need to buy carbon credits so that like even if you drive a car you can only buy carbon credits from africa so yeah. that like your your car is not emitting because you bought carbon credit from elsewhere right and that doesn't make sense because like it's hurting uh the concerned people, the Maasai is mostly hurting them. And they cannot, like, they come to our land, they, they say this is going to be our land, they're going to show you how you need to respect whatever rules we're going to give to you. We're going to implement, we're going to implement. you need to embrace them. There is no other option. And that's, that's it. So they sell carbon credit. Yeah, it's exploitative and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's, it's just yeah. insane. And also I've read too, even even if they were at, they're, they're not even running the program accurately and a lot of the times like the the credits that people are buying to say, you know companies will say oh we're we achieved net zero we're a sustainable company and yeah protecting the earth like the when they when they actually look into the uh the credits that they're buying it's not even like it's it's not even it's not even something that's remotely accurate if you even believe in that stuff it's just uh it's a total scam yeah, it is. But it it's the latest scam. 
a company, yep. a big company can run on fossil fuels. They can run on coal if they wanted. And then at the end of the day, you, when you look at their report, you realize that the, cap, the company is has emitted zero carbon. So you're like, how can't? Because they bought <laughs> carbon credits from elsewhere. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big scam that needs... It'll, I'm sure it'll be exposed once once all the damage is done and they can't get away with it anymore. Then they'll be like, oh, it's oh a, a huge scandal. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I'd say if you want to make a difference, because recently I came, somebody told me, a good friend of mine told me, um, he was, the guy, the guy told me, uh, he was going through uh, his supermarket or do you call them supermarkets over there? Yeah. 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 Supermarkets. And then there was this ad advert on supporting Africans, like the net, that's how you're going to support an, an African, a poor Af African somewhere. So I don't think that's one of the best ways to do it. Okay. Okay. For uh project, some of some projects makes sense, but I'm not sure those people that you donate to are going to make a difference. So one of the best ways for you to support Africa is by saying no to the UN, the World Bank, IMF, or uh, advocating for those organizations to uh, stop imposing colonial uh, rules onto Africans, onto poor Africans, poor hungry, hungry Africans. Then, uh, of course, one of another another thing you could do is follow me on Twitter uh, because I talk a lot about that, and I try each and every time maybe the IMF post or World Bank or FAO or the UN, I try to maybe like air my opinion, and I think that's one of the best ways we could uh, fight for Africans, for poor Africans, and then. You need to know that Africans need a lot of plenty of fossil fuel to develop. That's for sure. Put an aside climate change and then think of the one or two or five people in sub-Saharan Africa that going to sleep hungry tonight. Think about that person. They need plenty of fossil fuel. We need plenty of fossil fuels. That's about it. You've been listening to the Space Commune Podcast. I'm your host, Fox. I'm here with Alex. And today, our guest has been Jasper Machagu. Jasper, you are a treasure. Uh, I love your writing. Just like you said, people should follow Jasper on Twitter. Let me pull up. Your Twitter is just your name. J-U-S-P-E-R-M-A-C-H-O-G-U. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. He's amazing. He's putting out great information. Um, are there any other platforms that you're officially on right now? Do you have a Substack? Are you thinking about starting one? Yeah, I'm thinking of starting a Substack very soon. Uh, Good. I'll let you guys know. Please Start do. Please do. Um, yeah. All right. Well, well, great. This has been... Space Commune is a media project by two upstate New Yorkers seeking an alternative to the degrowth and deindustrialization paradigm being thrust upon us by the Great Reset Agenda. 
We love our country, the United States of America, and take inspiration from our revolutionary founding. We want win-win cooperation with Russia and China in developing the world economy for all of humanity and to make America great again. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon. We also make other content such as documentaries on YouTube and essays you can find on our website at spacecommune.com. 